0: Our scripture passage this evening is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1,817, 1,817. Here now the reading of God's holy and inspired and infallible word. of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's for the reading of God's word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. We're going to be looking at Lord's Day 1 as well in the Heidelberg Catechism, which is in the back of your green psalter hymnals on page 8. And... I'm tempted to uh, test your catechism learning from many, many years ago and see if you could do it by memory, but I shall resist because I don't know if I can do it by memory. But we are going to read the answers together with one voice, okay? Lord's Day 1. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. And what must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three things. First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am set free from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. And that's the teaching of the Catechism. I'm uh, struck by this word. It's a very universal word, it brings to mind many things uh, comfort. So, uh, maybe just for a little bit of uh, fun. I'll, I can ask a few of you what, do you, what comes to mind when you hear this word comfort and you can't say Lord's Day One? Please don't give me the Jesus answer. I'm, talk, I'm talking about other, some, something else. What's, what's something that comes to mind when you hear the word comfort? Like a warm house. So I'm assuming in the winter because right now it's not, What somebody else say something? What comes to mind? What, what's that? Paid bills. Um, and because I'm on that Dave Ramsey, uh, I'm going to do this, you know. No debt. Debt free. I'm obviously not comforted yet, so. <laughs> peace. So comfort and peace, they go together, right? Food. food. Comfort food. Love. Love. Family. It's a word that elicits a, a number of responses, doesn't it? I'm, I'm with Alex. That's the first thing I think is like comfort food, like mashed potatoes, gravy. You got a full belly. It's just like sitting there. You're in a warm house. You start feeling a little sleepy. You know what I'm talking about, Rick? Yeah. So that's that's typically what I think of, you know, food, family. Uh, uh, that... that That's a word that elicits a number of feelings, expressions, um, comfort. And I really feel like that's the reason why it's one of the first words that we hear when we open up the Heidelberg Catechism. I think of the believers that were the first to recite the Heidelberg Catechism together. Uh, They were in the midst of a changing world, a world in which the gospel had been rediscovered a world in which their faith and their conviction put them against many people they couldn't travel to places without concern of being uh, persecuted and uh, and and their world was a world in which many of the comforts that we now have didn't exist they didn't have air conditioning or heating Um. They lived in a much more difficult world, a world in which they didn't have devices and Netflix and Amazon that could deliver anything that you could possibly imagine to your house at any time that you would want them to do so. They don't have these things. What they have is when you get rid of all that stuff, laying down at the foundation of reality of what remains, the foundation of our faith is the comfort of knowing that we have a triune God who has redeemed us, a triune God has um, brought us into fellowship. And that's really what I want to talk about today. There's a, there's a million ways that you could, you could explain and you can emphasize in this Lord's Day 1. And I'm probably going to preach on Lord's Day 1 many a time during my time in ministry, Lord willing. Um, but today I want to focus on one aspect of it. Um, and that's the presence of all three persons of the Trinity in uh, Lord's Day 1. So the theme then is in line with that, our full comfort is in the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was a really... I messed that up, so I'm going to do that. All right. Our full comfort's in the triune God. And the way I'm looking at this is, one, redeemed, and we'll talk about what that means, by God the Son. Um, Two, preserved by God the Father, and number three, renewed by God the Holy Spirit. I might have to switch markers. Our full comfort is in the triune God, redeemed by God the Son, preserved by God the Father, renewed, and by God the Holy Spirit. So, let's look at that first point together. Preserved or redeemed by God the Son. So, the first thing that we come to see when we answer the question, what's your only comfort in life and in death is that we are not our own. Now, you've been raised in the church and you've heard these words so many times that maybe you wouldn't understand the significance of them. But if you look at all the things that we face in this world right now, all the major ideologies and sins that we face, it's really a denial of this specific statement. No, I am, I am. You can't tell me what to do with my body. That's really what the whole abortion argument is, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense because the baby is not your body. But you can't tell me what to do with my body. I can be a man if I want to be a man. I can be a woman if I want to be a woman. I belong to me. I can do whatever I want with me. And here at the beginning of the Heidelberg Catechism... We have a revolutionary truth that is at the foundation of our faith. And it's the opposite of all those unbelieving concepts that seek to say, no, I am my own God. I do belong to myself. And I can't determine my own reality. And it's this. We are not our own. But belong body and soul, and life and in death, totally, to Jesus Christ. We belong to Jesus Christ. Now that's world-shaking, that's that's, that's ground-shaking. People don't want to hear these kinds of truths today. They don't want to be faced with the reality that you aren't your own. That you do not have the right to your own body and soul. But God, your Creator, does. But as Christians, we have a comfort because we confess that we are not our own but belong to Jesus Christ. We confess and believe that we are someone's and that someone is a very specific person, one that's going to be described to us throughout the Catechism our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And the reason why I chose the passage, Ephesians, is because that Trinitarian aspect is in this passage as well. But I want to give us a little bit of framework because what's going on in the catechism is what I would call a present confession. So this concept that we are redeemed by God is rooted in the present. We are saying this as we are now. And it circles around Christ. Christ is the one whom we belong to and who we can trust that without the will of my Father in heaven, all things must work together, right? And it's Christ's Holy Spirit that assures us of eternal life. So this is from Christ outward, from the present. But Ephesians works a little bit differently. Ephesians is coming from the past to the present. It's saying God the Father elected us in Christ, and in Christ we've received the Holy Spirit. In Christ we've received the Holy Spirit. But they both teach the same truth, that our full comfort is in the triune God. And in Ephesians, we see the words of being redeemed. Verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And that's what's being stated here in Lord's Day 1, where He said, He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. This is um, what we call slave market language This is a redemption is a payment. And in Christ's sake, made in full, right? And that's interesting because when I said a comfort, some of you said, all my bills are paid off and I have no debt. And that's specifically rooted in Christ, um, our eternal debt. We're, we're eternally debt free. That's why we should be free. From debt in this life. We have our payment made in full by Christ. It's a present reality. It's one that we confess now. It's one that we say now. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he set me free from the tyranny of the devil. The passage in Hebrews speaks of this, that Christ's redemption is something that freed us from uh, the kingdom of Satan, And the fear of death. This is being redeemed by God the Son. And it's a shifting of our reality to belonging to ourselves, the lie of belonging to ourselves, to realizing that we're not our own, um, but that we are a a slave to Christ. But don't worry, He's a good master. Uh, That we belong entirely, fully. To Christ who has paid for us with his own blood. And this is a comfort that we have in God the Son. So let's look at that second point then. Oh, I could have just changed a few words there, couldn't I? So, um, second word is preserved by God the Father. Ephesians chapter 1 is a profound passage. Um, I think I could read that every day and, and not plumb the depths of it. In the beginning it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is what God the Father has done. He chose us in Christ for the foundation of the world. To be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. And the Catechism says of God the Father, that Christ watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Remember, as we spoke of this morning, that the Father and the Son are one in will and purpose. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Uh, That's almost a a straight quotation from Romans 8, verse 28. Later on in Romans, we're, we're told to ask, to ponder this question. That if God, if God has given us His Son... how will he not give us then all things? The question being asked of us is, what kind of father is God the Father? And we're being presented with this reality. If God the Father has given us his son, that which is most precious to him, that which is of most value to him, in order to gain us then how can we not then think that with Christ He would not give us all things? And the way in which God does this, this giving of us all things, including eternal life, is through His providence. Or... His preservation. And this is something as well that we're going to learn more about in the catechism as we go forward. What it means that God the Father is the providential God. The one that oversees creation and his creatures and brings them to their completion. And this is what we're being told here. Part of our comfort is that we have a heavenly Father who watches over us in such a way that not a hair can fall from our head without his will. And that, in fact, all things that we experience in this life, whether that we would put them in the category of comforting or not, are working together to bring about our salvation. All things. And I've talked to you about this before, but when we see that word, all things, we should... Scoot down in Romans chapter 8 to the end of the chapter where we're told that we all are like sheep heading to the slaughter. And that we're told not sword, not nakedness, not, not death, not coldness, not any of those things can separate us from the love of God. That that is included in the all things. That we have this preserving love of God the Father. We're preserved by God the Father in this comfort. We've been redeemed by Christ. We're preserved by God the Father in this comfort. In Ephesians, we could say it like this. If God, before the foundation of the world, has predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ His Son, in love He has done this, how will He then not see us to the end? If before the beginning ever happened, He had loved us and chosen us in His Son, how will He somehow change His mind? As if that was possible. We're preserved by God the Father. This is part of our comfort. Let's look lastly at that third one, renewed, by God the Holy Spirit got smarter except I don't know how to spell renewed so apparently I didn't get smarter renewed by God the Holy Spirit and you can see this this trying character to this, this first question and answer can't you and you can see it As well in the book of Ephesians. So, after we're told about the predestining love of God the Father and choosing us in Christ, and after we're told about Christ redeeming us by his blood and making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, we're told here at the end that we also were included in Christ when we heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, uh, the promised Holy Spirit. The seal of the Holy Spirit is what Ephesians speaks of. So we've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this, in this passage, Ephesians chapter 1. And this Holy Spirit is a seal, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. This is the, the down payment. Uh, the seal of the Holy Spirit is the down payment that we have been given to know that we, um, that God will come on that day and, and, uh, and make what is due. But specifically in uh, Lord's Day 1, we're told about the renewing character of the Holy Spirit. Um, It's interesting to see that in Ephesians chapter 1, we're told about the preserving character of the Holy Spirit. Um, We have to remember that all three persons of the Holy Trinity are one in will and purpose. And therefore, what one does uh, can often be rightly understood to be explained by another. Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life. So we could say there's, uh, I'm emphasizing the renewal of the Holy Spirit, but there's also an assurance, right, that comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's an aspect of what's being spoken of here in Ephesians chapter 1. This guaranteeing of our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possession is something that assures us of our salvation. But it also states here, it makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on To live for Him, so um, that's what's being spoken of here as the renewed, the renewing aspect of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, making us willing and ready to serve, willing and ready to serve Him, because I belong to Christ. You have to understand that causal statement there. Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Uh, This is a large aspect of what we call the service portion of the Heidelberg Catechism or the gratitude portion. What is it now that we are to do that we have been redeemed by God the Son and preserved by God the Father? We are to... Wholeheartedly, willingly, be ready from now on to live for Him, to serve Him, and to love Him. This down payment that's been given to us, the Holy Spirit, this deposit guarantee in our inheritance, is not simply a stamp, but it is God, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us now, who renews us and who calls us to godliness and holiness, calls us to faithful living for Christ and empowers us to do so. Our full comfort is in the triune God. We've seen God the Son who has redeemed us. We've seen God the Father who has preserved us. And we've seen God the Holy Spirit who renews us. Our full comfort is in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and it's with this foundation, the foundation of our faith, being in who God is, triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we then enter into what the rest of the catechism is going to speak about. And that's where we have the question and answer two. Question and answer two is basically a um, table of contents, you could say. It's a table of contents for the catechism, and it tells us the three things that we need to know to live and die in the joy of this comfort. And the three things then end up breaking down into those three sections of the catechism that have various names, uh, sin, salvation, service, guilt, grace, gratitude, Um, whatever one you like, whatever one you prefer, whatever one is most helpful for you. We have to first know how great our sin and misery is. And that's interesting, right? Because when we hear the word comfort, we have all these different responses. But comfort implies something, doesn't it? That there's a lack of comfort. That we need comfort, right? And the reason why we need a comfort... We need something that will soothe us, that comforts us, that assures us. Is because of the presence of sin and misery. It's because of the fall of our first parents in the garden. It is because the existence of the curse. That has not only affected our hearts and our minds, all parts of us. But it has affected the very world in which we live in. The very ground that we walk on. We need comfort because... We're uncomforted. We need comfort because of sin and misery. So we have to first know how great our sin and misery is. Second, um, we have to understand the freedom from this sin and misery. Or, as we spoke of earlier, our redemption, being redeemed. How is it that we escape the horror of sin and misery to the comfort of redemption. How I am set free from all my sins and misery. And uh, third, how are we to be thankful? How are we to thank God for such a great deliverance? These are the three things that we need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort, in order to have our whole life be part of this comfort, this reality, of these three things, how great my sin and misery are, how I'm set free from all my sins and misery, and how I'm to thank God for such deliverance. And this is something I think is, is very helpful, not only as we discuss um, the catechism, but also in life, um, whenever we are experiencing a lack of comfort, the first thing that we should think of is what sin and misery has caused this. It doesn't mean that it's our own personal sin, but it could be something that's gone on in this world, the effect of this world. And then ask yourself, what is the only comfort I can have in this hardship that I'm experiencing? And it's the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. And and then, even in the midst of that hardship and difficulty, we're to ask ourselves, how can we be thankful for such a great salvation that we have been given um, by God? And that... It's not only how we can face hardships in this life, but it's how we can share the gospel with others too, right? Uh, We have sin and misery. You need freedom. You need redemption from your sin and misery. Uh, You need to look to Christ. And this is how you live a life of thankfulness to Christ. This is a very practical, very practical outline. And uh, it's one that I think helps us in many, many ways. What I've wanted to, to get across this evening is that we are to understand that our full comfort, all the comfort that we have as, as being a Christian, as being one who professes faith in Christ, is one that is rooted in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in, rooted in who He is, who God is. And because it's rooted in who God is, it cannot be changed or moved. And that, I think, is the real comfort. Is that I'm telling you to root your comfort, the foundation of your faith in who God is. Not in who I am. Not in who whatever subjective ideas could come along but in the only unchanging thing that we have in this life, in this world, and that is God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this great salvation. Thank you, Father, for preserving us in our faith, for making all things work together for our salvation. Thank you, Christ, for redeeming us with your precious blood and sending us free from the tyranny of Satan. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for assuring us of eternal life and renewing us that we may wholeheartedly be willing and ready to live for, for God, to live for Christ. And we ask, Lord, as we study the catechism, that you would help us to see these three things that we need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort. Help us to see and know how great our sin and misery are. Help us to understand how we have been set free from all our sins and misery. And help us to see how we are to thank God. Thank you, Lord, for such a deliverance, for such salvation. Be with us now as we go from this place that we may live faithfully for you, knowing that our full comfort is rooted in you, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the foundation of our faith is in the unchanging, unmoved God, creator of the universe. Amen.